And I'm speaking on getting ready for the marriage supper, Revelation chapter 19. And we're going to read from verse 1, Revelation 19 and verse 1. And then in a few moments, we will go back into Genesis chapter 24. And that's just to pick up one or two verses there. But Revelation chapter 19 and verse 1. Now after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments. For he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they say, Alleluia, and her smoke rose up forever and ever, and the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne, saying, Amen, Alleluia. And a voice came out of the throne, saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Father, this morning we pray for your help, for your anointing, for the spirit that quickeneth. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you indeed would breathe on the pages. Speak to your hearts today, Lord. Lord, we just again ask for your help, Lord, to shut out everything of this world. And Lord, we pray that our hearts would be open to your word. And Lord, that you would come and give help this morning. Lord, we pray for the helper, the comforter to come and and, and assist us both to proclaim your word, but, oh God, to hear your word also. We pray that the ground would be cultivated, that the ground would be good, that the seed would find good ground and bear much fruit, O God. O Father, we pray that you would open our eyes to the day in which we're living. Lord, even for those that know you not in this room, O God, we're asking that by the power of your Spirit that you would awaken lives today, O God. Oh, Father, we're praying, Lord, that you would endure the church of Jesus Christ with the fresh outpouring of your Spirit. Lord, that she, Lord, would be full, glorious. Lord, that you would come for a spotless bride without wrinkle, as your word has told us. So, God, we pray for your help this morning. And in everything, we pray that your name would be glorified. We ask all these mercies in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. There is a bride that the Lord is coming for, and that is a prepared bride. That is the church of Jesus Christ. There is a glorious moment, a glorious moment that is about to take place. I believe very soon that glorious moment is when Christ will burst through the clouds for his bride. That's all those that are washed in the blood born of the Spirit of God, Christ is coming for that bride. Every eye will see it. There will be no mistake. 
There will be no doubts at that moment when Christ comes for his people. And I do believe with everything that is within me that we are closer to that day than ever before. The signs of that time, of that moment, are all around us. We see the world that's in despair, sliding deeper and deeper into darkness, men waxing worse and worse. But friends, it's at that moment that we're encouraged through the Scriptures that we are to look up for our redemption draweth nigh. Christ is coming, and Christ is coming soon. Here we read in verse 7 that the people of God are to be glad and rejoice and give honor unto him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come. And then it says this phrase that we've been looking at. And the wife has made herself ready. You know, this moment that we're talking about, you'll have heard this term in the church, certainly in modern times, this term rapture used of that moment. And of course, the word rapture, and as many will know, the word rapture is actually not recorded in the Bible, but the event is recorded in the in the Bible. The word rapture comes from the Latin term rapturo, and the Greek word is translated harpazo, which simply means to take away or to snatch away. So as much then this morning, just for your information, I suppose, you hear the term rapture being used a lot in the church, and people will say, but the word itself is not found in the Bible, but the event actually is. And the event is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. If you would turn there, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16, and I'll show you where the rapture is in the Bible, or in the Greek term, harpazo, that is the catching away, or the snatching away of the church. In 1 Thessalonians Chapter 4 and verse 16, the Bible says there, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Would you say amen? That is a wonderful hope that the church of Jesus Christ has. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain, and here is the rapture of the church, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. What you see here is then there is a descending from heaven. The Lord himself, not an angel, not a messenger, but the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout the voice of the archangel, the trump of God. At that moment, something glorious happens worldwide around this globe. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then the Bible says these words, then we which are alive and remain. That's every other believer on planet earth at that moment from every tribe and every tongue across this entire world, all those that are bought with the precious blood of Jesus, born of the Spirit of God, at that moment, we shall be caught up together with the Lord. And so at, at that precise moment, that is the rapture of the church. It's a glorious moment. and it is what Christ deserves. It's what he died for 
to give himself for the bride and that he would come again. That's the promise of his word. It is a glorious event. It is a supernatural event. It's not a natural event. It is a supernatural moment. Um, I was sharing, I'm talking with Brother Alex just the other day and when we were talking about this, he looked at the ceiling because at that moment, we're all going to go up. So if it happened right now, if you look at that ceiling purely in the natural, you know that this body here that you're looking at, all 16 stone, I shouldn't have given my weight away, all 16 stone of this will have to go up. But in the moment, at that moment, there is a supernatural change found in the book of Corinthians where this mortal flesh puts on immortality. At that precise moment, you will be changed by the supernatural power of Almighty God. There's going to be no more aches or no more pains. There's going to be no more disability, cares, trials. There's going to be no more disease. There's going to be no more death. There's going to be no more blindness or deafness or dumbness. There's going to be no more mental illness. At that moment, brothers and sisters, we're changed by the supernatural power of God. And we together will leave planet Earth. That's good news. Isn't that wonderful this morning? That we are caught up in a moment. This is the glorious event that this world is groaning for. It's not climate change, brothers and sisters. Even though the world are going crazy with that. And the, and the Antichrist will use this to bring us all into bondage. It's not climate change. It's the earth groaning for the Creator. Christ is coming. And there's about to be a sound that will entirely awake this whole world. Whether you're saved. This is important. You see, whether you're saved in this room or whether you're not saved in this room, you're going to witness this event. You have to hear me this morning. This is going to be an event that you will witness. If it happens in our generation, if it happens in our time, whether you're a saved man or woman or whether you're a lost man or woman, you will see and witness the glorious rapture of the church of Jesus Christ. At that moment, the dead in Christ suddenly rise from the graves around the world, from the seas around the world. All those that have died in Christ, all of those that have given their life for the sake of Christ, at that moment, suddenly, they will be first to arise. Their bodily resurrection to be caught up together with us to meet the Lord in the earth. It's a glorious moment. Brothers and sisters, this is our hope this is what we have. This is why we have a hope beyond the grave. Christ comes for this glorious bride. This bride is ready. And there is this word that we are looking at this morning, which in the Latin it's rapture, uh, or rap, rap, the rapture, but in the Greek it's the harpazo. It, is, it speaks of a violent spiritual act. In other words, at that very precise moment, and we, you have to grasp, it might be difficult for us, but at that precise moment, worldwide, supernaturally, Almighty God, at that moment, every believer on this planet will be changed by the power of God, and we will all, at that moment, be caught up together to meet the Lord in the earth. There is going to be a meeting in the earth. What is that going to be? Just think about it for a moment. 
You know, we sing the song and the tune is wonderful, but think about it for a moment. Right across the continents of this world, from every tribe and every tongue, from the heights of way over in the Himalayan range, right down into the the depths and the bottoms of, of the world, at that moment, everyone that's saved is going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Can you imagine what that's going to be? Just that moment that happens, suddenly everything changes. Here is a valedict. This word, to catch away, to pluck or to pull, is the same word that's found in Matthew eleven twelve. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. That's the same word. There's a spiritual violent act by God in order to change every one of us by the power of the Holy Spirit to give us a new body to meet the Lord in the earth. That is an awesome thing. It's the same word that's found in Acts 8 and 39 when Philip is caught away in the spirit. That's a supernatural event. Do you know Christianity is a supernatural thing? We have made it such a natural thing, but it's so supernatural. Is there any indication then in Scripture? And I want you all to listen for a moment if you could. Saved and unsaved because you're all going to witness this event. Is there any indication right at this moment that I could point you to in God's word that shows us that we are very close to the rapture of the church? Is there anything that I could say to you, not my opinion, but I could bring to you today, whether you're saved or whether you're lost, to inform you of how close we are to the rapture? Well, I believe I can from Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21 and verse 25. And here we read in this chapter, even just before it, if you see it, you'll see that there is a period of time when Jerusalem will be overtaken by the Gentiles. The Bible tells us that there is a season, there's a time, there's a period of time. There is a period of time that that Jerusalem will be taken, that blindness in part has happened to Israel. Until when? Until the fullness of the Gentiles, until all the Gentiles that are going to be saved are brought in. So that's a significant moment. And then here in Luke 21 and verse 25, the Lord himself says these words, there's going to be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars. And upon the earth, the stress of nations. I don't know if anyone's seen it, if you, if you did see it, but I just, there was something, I think it was last Sunday evening. Did anybody see the sunset? Anybody see it? I mean, it's one of those sunsets that we had to slow the car down and stop and look and say, what is it going to be like when he burst through those clouds? It was glorious. It was so unusual because I said to Nick, I've never seen this because on one side was the sunset, but the sky was also red on the other side. I've never actually seen that before. The the glow of the rays of the sun were going right over the curve, as you were. On the other side, it was red as well. And I thought for a moment, we were just sharing, what's it going to be like? When he burst through the clouds, that's the sun that he created. But what's it going to be like when the sun of righteousness rises with healing in his wings? What's it going to be like when Jesus burst through the clouds? He created that sun. He created that earth. But friends, that's nothing on what it's going to be like when he burst through. And here we read 
that there's signs in the moon and the stars, and then there's distress on the nations. There's perplexity. The seas and the waves are roaring, and we know that, that we are living in an hour where there is great distress of the nations. There's a distress in the nations of the world. There's perplexity. The seas and the waves are roaring and metaphorically, we know that that is what's happening. There's a storm that's blowing that we have not seen before. There's a turmoil in the nations of the world. There's a turmoil in every nation, anywhere you go. We get very limited knowledge if you just watch the BBC. I'll be honest with you, and it's best anyway. It's absolutely overrun by liberal, left-wings, anti-God, anti-Christ spirit. But if you actually take the time in every nation of the world and the continents of this world, the nations are in absolute turmoil. So often we just get locked in on our, our wee corner of the globe, Northern Ireland. And outside of that, there's nothing else happening. But there's things happening all over the world. In every continent of the world, there's distresses of the nations. The world is in turmoil. Governments are in turmoil. People don't know where to turn. There's famines. There's pestilence. Friends, it's not just coronavirus. That's just a tool that the enemy is using at this time. But friends, right across this world, the nations are in absolute turmoil. They're in a mess. There's a distress that has come. And the waves and the seas are roaring. And verse 26 probably... I believe more than anything else points out the time we've come to. Men's hearts failing them for fear. Fear is the one weapon and the most potent weapon that the enemy is using through all these systems in order to bring people into fear. When you bring people into a place of fear, then you can control them. That's why the Bible says he's not give us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. Isn't that right? But when you bring someone into fear, then you can control them. That's why the enemy wants to bring fear upon his people, because then we come under the control of it. But thank God this morning that Jesus Christ sets the prisoner free. It is the spirit of God that brings the liberty. We will not be dictated to by fear. Whenever shape or form it may come in, but we have been liberated by the power of the Spirit. But we're living in a day that man's hearts are feeling them for fear. Why? Because they see those things that are coming on the earth. They are watching what's taking place. They don't have control of it. They're doing everything to try to do what they can do. But friends, they're frightened of what's happening. They don't know where to turn. They don't know who to turn to. They try all their mechanisms, all 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 their different things that they come up with. But listen, friends, man's hearts are feeling because of fear. And the powers of heaven are being shaken. And then this is what it says. So I want to point out to you why I believe that we're ever closer to the rapture of the church. Because these things are happening. They're actually happening now. It's not a future event. They're happening now. But then this is what Jesus said, verse 27. And then, and then shall they see. 
Now, I want you to note this this morning because I know it's important. And then shall they see. Who sees? Who is it that sees this event? And then shall they see. That means the entire world are going to see this event. That means everybody on this globe is going to see it. That means President Trump will see it. That means Boris Johnson will see it. That means Michelle O'Neill is going to see it. That means Arlene Foster is going to see it. That means that every person in this world, whatever the color of your skin, wherever you're from, whatever language you speak, wherever you may be in this globe at that moment, everyone is going to see it. You're not going to be without excuse. Some people believe because we have mobile phones that that's some... I actually don't believe that. I don't believe God needs a mobile phone. He doesn't need any broadband in order to announce His coming. There's going to be a sound in the heavens and suddenly this whole world is going to be lit up with the glory and the power and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ instantly. And they shall see Him coming. Listen to me this morning, friend, whether you're saved or not saved, but everybody in this room, I want you to hear me. You will see, if it happens in our generation, you will see the Son of Man coming in the cloud. Think about it for a moment. You might say to me, well, I don't believe that, Tim. It doesn't really matter whether you believe it or not. You're going to see it. That's not my theology. It doesn't matter whether it's in your theology or it's not. You are going to see the Son of Man coming in the clouds. What will that moment be for you? What will it be for you at that moment? For us who are saved, praise God, we're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. It's what a moment this is for the church. This is the victory. This is the hope that we have in Jesus. He's coming for his bride. And the bride's ready to meet him. What will it be for you, friend? Think about it for a moment. What will it be at that moment for you? You're maybe out with your friends. You're maybe out somewhere on a Friday night. You're maybe somewhere where you shouldn't be. You're maybe with someone that you shouldn't be with. But at that moment... As that, as that sound comes from heaven and the whole of the earth is lit up with the glory of the coming of the Lord. And perhaps you're in a room you shouldn't be in. Perhaps you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. But you pull the door open to walk out and suddenly you'll see the coming of the Son of God in the earth. That's the way it's going to be for so many. That's the way it's going to be for the most. Suddenly they're going to be caught on. Not caught up. Suddenly they're going to wish, oh God, at that moment you'll cry for the rocks to fall upon you because you'll have realized you've wasted your life in rebellion and selfishness. It's a serious moment, isn't it? Well, I couldn't be bothered. Some maybe this morning sliding down their chair saying, well, I don't really care. But I'm going to tell you, friend, we care. God cares. We care. And here they see the Son of Man coming in the cloud with power and great glory. Friends, what a moment this is. What a glorious moment it is for the church. Jesus said these things. When these things become the past, verse 28, what does he say? Then I want you to do something. He says, I want you to look up and I want you to lift up your head. Why? 
for your redemption has drawn near. And I believe, friends, the church must lift up its head because the redemption of the bride is so close. Do you know what this is? You're looking at it, well, that's the second coming of the Lord. I hope it's not that way for some. I hope this is something that stirs our hearts, delights us with joy, and go, oh God, this is a wonderful moment. This is what we're longing for. This is what we're waiting for. But this really is a love story. That's actually what it is. It's a wonderful love story. In Ephesians 5, if you turn to it, I'll just show you these few verses to show you that this is all about the love of God. In Ephesians 5 and verse 27, Ephesians 5, sorry, in verse 25, Paul writes and says, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and he gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Not only because of his great love will he give himself for it, but he'll sanctify it and cleanse it with the word, the washing of the word, and he'll present to himself at that moment what will be presented to Jesus, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Do you know, I would say this would be true of all of those that are saved in this room. You know, if if you live with someone long enough. We were talking about this on Friday on our anniversary. And after a few years, you know the person. I mean, I know I I can, Jeff can look at Gillian and sometimes Jeff doesn't need to say anything because, or probably the other way about, Gillian knows Jeff. And you get to know each other without actually even saying because you've been together for so long. We've walked together for so long. I know now that Nikki knows what I'm thinking before I say something. She knows me. Isn't that right? Do you know when you walk with the Lord and we're in these days, you know what you begin to sense? Because you've walked with him, church, you feel the tug because you know he's about to come. Because you know him. You know it's the time has come that that the Lord's about to come for his bride. He's about to come for us because we've been walking with him. And now we sense that in all the days in which we're living, We're saying, even so, Lord, come quickly. The time is for you to come. We're in these days, and there's something within us saying, Lord, you're coming, and you're coming soon. If you turn to Genesis 24 for a moment, just to finish off and for a few moments here in Genesis 24, you remember last week we took this this chapter as a type or a shadow of this glorious moment. In the story, and here in Genesis 24, we have Abraham, we have Isaac, we have the eldest servant, and we have Rebekah as the principal characters. Abraham is a type of the father. Isaac, the son, the eldest servant, is a type of the Holy Spirit who holds all the goods of the house. And then we have Rebekah, the church of Jesus Christ. 
The eldest servant is sent to fetch a bride for Isaac. Where did he meet her? Remember, he met her at the well. When he met her at the well, he puts the earrings, the bracelets upon her. Then he accompanies her to her house. And there we see that he reveals in that house the revelation of his mission. That he's here to gather that bride together. To make her ready and to bring her to the feet of Isaac. The Holy Ghost will always lead us to the feet of Jesus Christ. Always. And here we see the preparation as the Spirit, the eldest servant, brings the revelation into that room. That's why he's here. There is a father and there's a son. And that father wants a bride for that son. And so here we see that the the eldest servant, as he stands in that room, he begins to bestow upon her as she's about to leave. She's about to leave that place, her family home. She's about to leave. And so then the eldest servant, who has the hand of all the goods in the father's house, he bestows more jewelry, silver and gold and raiment upon that bride. What's he doing? He's making her ready to meet the son. He's bestowing upon her all that she needs in order to meet him. And then we looked at it last week and finished with these words. As the mother and the brother say, look, just let her stay just for another, even perhaps 10 days. We want her to stay. And so Rebecca looks and the servant says these words. He says, don't hinder me. Don't restrict me in what I'm here to do. Don't hold me back from the purpose of why I'm here. And so they say, just just talk to Rebecca and ask her herself whether she'll go or not. And so the question that we finished with last week, you'll remember, was will you go with this man? And so Rebecca turns and says, I'll go. It's at that moment then, and I I shared this last week, I believe we're not close to leaving this world. If Rebecca's family home in the natural is her mother and her brother standing there, I believe it's how close we are. It's the Spirit of God saying, will you go with this man? And Rebecca stands and she looks at all this, this earthly possession of everything that she has known for her whole life. And she's never met Isaac face to face, never seen him face to face, ever. But at that moment, she has a bracelet on her arm She's earrings, she's been given garments and gifts and blessings by the eldest servant. And now she knows it's time. And so the eldest servant says, will you go? Or the mother, will you go with this man? And so Rebecca says, I'm going to go. This is my time. I'm going to leave. I'm leaving all of this. You know, the Bible says that there'll be two in the field. One will be taken and the other left. There'll be two in the bed, one will be taken and the other left. You know, the Bible says that's the great separation. There comes a moment when the Lord bursts through those clouds and the church is ready and she looks up that we're leaving. You understand that, friends? The only people that go are those that are saved. Your, your, your parents might be saved. Your grandparents might be saved. Your best friend might be saved. But friends, that's not enough to get you up into that rapture. At that moment, it's so serious, it's so sudden, and it's so real. She's asked, will you go? And so the church responds to the Holy Spirit. And you know what we say? 
God, we're ready to go. We're ready to leave. We're ready to go. Because we want to meet him. This is a love story. Why? Because we love him. That's why we want to be with him. We love him. In verse 61 of Genesis 24. Genesis 24 verse 61. I want you to get these words for a moment. Genesis 24 61. Those three words at the beginning of this verse. And Rebecca, and Rebecca arose. Rebecca arose. And her damsels, and they rode upon the camels. Look what it says. And they followed the man. And the servant took Rebecca and went his way. Listen carefully, friends. Her eyes were set on that elder servant. Because she knew he was going to bring her right to the feet of his master's son. The Bible says this, Jesus speaking in John 16, 13. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come, what will he do? He will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you the things to come. If you follow him... The Bible says you'll know the truth, what happens, and the truth, what happens, it makes us free, doesn't it? I tell you, this is the wonder of the gospel. It makes men free. But we've got to follow. And so the Holy Spirit is standing, as it were, saying, Rebecca, you going? If you follow me, I'll bring you into truth. I'll bring you to the feet of Jesus. He's the man. That's come to save you. He's the man that comes to free you. He's the man that loves you and gave himself for you. It's all about him. That's what the Holy Spirit will say. And so Rebecca's sitting in the home. If you just think about it for a moment. She's sitting there. She's made the choice in her heart. I am going to go with this man. Her mother and her brethren are saying, Rebecca, would you just not wait for even 10 more days? Just stay with us. We have a good home. We have a good life. Don't go yet, Rebecca. Just please stay. All the pools of this world, all the things of the temporal, all the emotional ties trying to keep you in into the natural, all the things, all the plans. Just stay a wee while longer. Don't go, Rebecca. But the great love that the son had for Rebecca manifested to her by the Holy Spirit and the elder servant saying, look, I've given you the gifts. I've bestowed upon you the goodness of God. What does the goodness of God do? It leads men to what? Repentance. And so Rebecca has made the choice in her heart, I'm going to follow, but know what she had to do. Listen, listen, listen. Know what she had to do. It tells us there, and Rebecca arose. Listen, friends, there has to be, there has to be a choice in the heart, but there has to be a rising up from where we are to follow after. You know, it tells us of the prodigal son, which we know, uh, Brother Clendenin used to preach it often, that the prodigal is a type of the church in the modern day. But, you know, he had wasted everything. He had wasted his substance with riotous living. 
There arose a mighty famine in the land. The land was ravished by a famine. Friends, can I tell you, I believe there's a mighty spiritual famine in our nations. A mighty, a mighty famine. It's ravished the nations here that we are a part of. The, the United Kingdom and Ireland and most of Europe has been ravished by a spiritual famine. The tragedy in most of that has been that the church in the midst of it has caught itself up in all the earthly things. And it has wasted its inheritance, its calling, its purpose. It's turned into the things of the world and has wasted everything. And now there's a great, there's a great and there's a mighty famine. There's a mighty famine. But this is what it says. When he spent all and there rose that famine, and he joined himself with a citizen of that country. Remember the mother and the brother saying, stay. In verse 17, it says, when he came to himself, thank God for the moment that we come to ourselves. How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough to spur and I hunger? And here's what he says in verse 18. I will, what does he say? I will arise. You see, church, there has to be and there will be a rising up in this hour of that bride because Jesus deserves a glorious bride. He's coming for a bride that will be presented to him without spot nor without wrinkle. And the wise prepare for this hour. Listen to me, the wise prepare for the hour. In Matthew 25, in the teachings there of the ten virgins, we know it so well. The Bible tells us that the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. He's coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins, what does it say? They all arose. They all got up. They all went out to meet him. But the foolish said to the wise, you see, they weren't ready. Give us of your oil, for our lamps have gone out. Listen carefully, friends. I'm coming to a close in a, in a moment. You know, at that moment, there's going to be so many, five foolish, five wise. There's going to be so many that have been trusting on a religious Self-effort, going to church, know all about God, but have never in their hearts made a decision for God and are not following this man. They'll know all the things about it, but they'll never ever have given their hearts and surrendered their lives and repented of their sin and given their all to Jesus. They haven't let it all in the altar. And friends, what's going to happen at that moment? Listen to me, because the Bible tells us clearly in Matthew 7 and verse 23 that this is going to happen. This is the truth this morning. There are many at that moment are going to rise with the wise. They're called the foolish virgins. They're trusting in their own works. They're trusting in their religion. They're trusting in belonging to a denomination. They're trusting in something they do do themselves. And, and our country sadly is so full of it. And then at that moment, this glorious moment, they're going to arise with the wise. But the wise are the ones that have the oil in their lamps. They're ready for the coming of the Lord. They're not trusting in themselves. Do you know what they're trusting in? They're trusting in the finished work of the cross. 
That's all they're trusting in. They're trusting in the blood of Jesus. They're trusting in what He's done for them. They're trusting in the day that He saved them and kept them by His power. They know they're not perfect. They know the feelings and the flaws. But praise God, they know there's one who is perfect. And they've tasted and they know that He's good. And they love Him because He first loved us. And it's a love story. We want to be with this man. We want to be led of the Spirit. Where will He lead us? He's going to lead us right up to the feet of Jesus. And then face to face with Christ my Savior. Face to face, what will it be? What will it be, Alex? What will it be, Ronnie? There you stand and you see Him. Suddenly it's all gone. We're looking through the glass darkly, but then face to face, we'll see Him. At that moment, according to the parable, there's five foolish virgins. They also arose at that moment. Do you know what's going to happen? You see, when it comes, it's too late. Listen, don't listen to the theology that says there's a second chance. There is no second chance. There is no second chance. Don't listen to the teachings that come out today. What to do if you miss the rapture? If you miss the rapture, you're lost. There is no second chance gospel. This is the day of grace. This is the hour to come to God. This is the moment. But as Christ bursts through the clouds, as the trumpet of the Lord sounds, and the dead of Christ rise. We which were alive and remain, we're going to be caught up to meet him. But so many will see that event, and at that moment they'll go, give us oil. Give me oil. Give me one more lighthouse club. Give me one more gospel service. Give me one more moment in a meeting where I can cry out for mercy. Give me one more altar call. Give me one more Sunday morning. Give me one more drive-in. Give me one more moment that I can hear a mother pray. Give me one more moment to have an invitation to a gospel meeting. Give me one more moment. Just one more moment. Give me oil. And the day when you could have got oil. And the service you could have got oil. That moment when you could have got the oil. When you could have got saved and had the Spirit of Christ at that moment, at that very moment, you've wasted your substance and selfish living. I'll do it my way. Suddenly, suddenly, listen, suddenly, it's forever too late. I'll be okay. I'll be with my friends. I'm going to tell your friends all this nonsense today. All the lies that the devil puts in people's heads. It's going to be fine. I'll work it out. Sure, I don't mind going to hell. My God, you have no idea. We have no idea what hell's like. Just a revelation of what it gives us. But no man wants to be there. The cry that comes from hell is, Tell my brethren. Tell my brethren. That's the cry from hell. And the foolish are pleading for oil. They're pleading for oil. Oh, friends, stop playing with your soul. Stop playing games. Stop playing religion. Stop going through the motions. There's there's the Holy Ghost that's saying there's a man. And he loves you. And he gave himself for you. 
and I have all the gifts and everything that you need to live this life and I'll bestow it all upon you. I'll give you everything for the journey. But friends, we're on a journey. But you follow him and I'm going to lead you right to the feet of your Savior. That's Jesus. Song of Solomon says, Rise up, my love, my fair one, come away. The winter now is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear on the earth, the time of the singing of birds has come, the voice of the turtle is heard in the land. The fig tree putteth forth her fig green figs, the vine with the tender grape give a good smell. Arise, my love, my fair one, come away. O oh, my dove, the art in the clefts, thy art in the clefts of the rock, in the secret places of the stars. Let me see thy countenance, let me hear thy voice, for sweet is thy voice, and thy countenance is comely. Take us, the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines of tender grapes. My beloved is mine, and I am his. He feedeth among the lilies. Until the day break and the shadows will flee away. Turn, my beloved, and be there like a roe or a young heart upon the mountains of Bether. It tells us in verse 63 that Isaac in Genesis 24 went out to meditate in the field at evening tide and he lifted up his eyes and he saw and behold the camels were coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes. And when he saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel. For she had said unto the servant, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant had said, It is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all things that he had done. And Isaac brought her into her mother's, into his mother's Sarah's tent and took Rebekah. And she became his wife. And he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. In a moment, the Bible says, just a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. The Lord is coming. Praise God he's coming for me. Friends, the real question is, is he coming for you? Is he coming for you? Ready or not, ready or not, he is coming. Do you know, you might very quickly, ask Jonathan and Gillian to come, just as I'm sure in this, but you might feel very quickly, the chains are too big, the hindrances are too great, the opposition's too much, all the things that will come, that's called warfare for your soul. You may not know that, but that's what it is. Thoughts coming into your head. What will people say? What will people think? How will I do this? How can I deal with this sin? How can I deal with this fear? 
All that there is all the spiritual warfare for the enemy to keep you in a place imprisoned and in darkness. Peter lay in a prison and the angel touched him, smote him and said, Arise. And do you know what he did when he got up? Know what happened? His chains were broken. I want to tell you, friend, this morning, Jesus still breaks the fetters and he still breaks every chain. You've got to make a decision in your heart, but you've got to arise and come to the Savior.